Hey, Jub. Hey, good. So, uh, you're a big fan of that Uncharted, right? Yeah, I love big that. Big fan of the Uncharted series. I, I do love it very much. Now, um... I have Nathan Drake's ring. Mm-hmm. You excited for the movie? No. I'm really not excited for the movie now. Oh, what happened? Well, uh, as you know, it, it, it is, it's kind of a weird... In kind of a weird move, they cast Tom Holland... As Nathan Drake. It's not the worst move. I it's can not the worst it. move, but it is a weird approach because, you know, what do you want when you go to see Uncharted? Nathan Drake prequel? I don't know. Is that it, what it's going to be? Well, Tom Holland is younger than Nathan Drake. We literally just need to put some facial hair on him and it'll be fine. No, they're definitely going with the everybody's younger approach because okay. uh, another bit of casting was uh, leaked today. Uh... And, and I hate this one with every fiber of my being. And I'm not as big of an Uncharted fan as you. Mm-hmm. I've, I've played the first two games, and that's it. I will play more eventually. I do like the series you quite a bit. You are halfway done. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, I, I do want to play Lost Legacy, or whatever it's called. I also need to play Lost yeah. Legacy. I still haven't played it. Okay. Maybe I'll buy it when it's like $10 this Black Friday. Mark Wahlberg has joined the cast, reportedly. As, is that as Sully? As Sully. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that was my reaction. Fuck. Uh, Why? Yeah, it, That's this, terrible. Uh, basically everyone I'm seeing talking about this today is saying, what a miscast. Yeah. Um, oddly enough, uh, like the, villain. the Uncharted fun. movie has been in development hell for so long yeah. that Mark Wahlberg was attached to it a long time ago. To play Nathan Drake, and oh, now that's also a enough. Yeah, it is. But he was younger at the time, right. and now so much time has passed that now he's optioned to be Solly. <laughs> now, admittedly, this would be a Mark Wahlberg aged Solly and not a Solly aged Solly. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe the age difference isn't even that different. No, that's definitely like but people I, level. I, yeah, I suppose so. Um, it's definitely not what I would picture as a Sully. No. I don't know who you'd cast as Sully necessarily. I don't know. It'd be a little rough. Yeah. I'm not sure. I would try to go with like some unknowns for this movie. Just find yeah. people that are right for the part as opposed to like we want famous man number A. Right. Which has been the problem of many a video game movie in the past. Many, many... <laughs> Many of them. Yeah, just, just, just you know, just just slap Angelina Jolie in there. You see the the two just video slap game... the rock in there. It's fine. It's good. The two video game movies that I very much enjoy that are out there are like Mortal Kombat, which like stars, <laughs> sure like, I, I enjoy that movie legitimately. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, stars a bunch of nobodies. And then the yeah, other absolutely one, the no only, one. And the only technically good one is Detective Pikachu, and the biggest name in that movie is Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, who admittedly, that movie works because it doesn't feel like necessarily an out there choice given the context of the film. Yeah. Uh, He's playing a character who admittedly is Ryan Reynolds because that's how Ryan Reynolds plays things. Right, he's just But he does what he does and that's fine. I'm just saying they, they altered the story to be this version of Pikachu is like this. As opposed to changing Pikachu to be like that. Yeah. Uh, whereas this will probably try to force Solly 
into being like Mark Wahlberg. It'll be horrible. And it won't work. Fuck this, dude. This is terrible. You should have cast him as a villain. Uh, That'd be fascinating. I could see that. That would I be fascinating. Make him like make him like villain guy. Like mercenary villain. villain guy. Yeah. I, I don't think we see him as a villain often enough. He's right. always like an action hero. And honestly, I feel like the one thing I'm confident that Mark Wahlberg can pull off in acting is being a douche. Right. Uh, my favorite movie with him in it is The Departed. And he plays an asshole cop. Yeah, it's great. A humongous asshole. And he plays it expertly well. <laughs> he needs to do that more. If he was like a mercenary motherfucker yeah. that thinks he's like self-righteous, but he he's actually an asshole, that would be perfect for him. You gotta get someone more wholesome to be Sully. I mean, I know that Sully does fucked up things occasionally, but like... Uh, I think that would work more. He's, you want him to be more like a Han Solo-esque kind of dude. Right. You know? Yep. And then we're not yeah. getting that. Honestly, we're getting. Harrison Ford's old, but fuck it. That'd be I mean, dope. if they did old Sully. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, but they're not. They're doing right. slightly younger Sully would, because we're getting slightly younger Nathan Drake because we're getting a prequel because they're scared of just adapting one of the games, I guess. I would, I would absolutely kill to have Han Solo as like old Sully and like be fucking be a perfect kind of cool passing the torch kind of moment to yeah. work for that franchise yeah cause it's like it's like Indiana Jones well no shit yeah so uh, <laughs> I think that would be perfect he has, he has the attitude Sully has that tude yeah the sarcastic fucking goof off looking ass tude be perfect and that's just like you know prime real estate like where i'm not even asking for that i'm just asking for somebody that fits the character right i don't even have to know who it is yeah sometimes movies get away with uh people who no one knows who they are and then the movie is fantastic honestly we'll talk about that uh today later on uh but yeah i'm just like my interest in this movie is at a very low level he was from the from the for how long it's been in development i I honestly don't feel any interest as much as i like uncharted in an uncharted movie because the entire point of the games is what if indiana jones was a game but like a good game yeah but like a good game (laughs) (laughs) and it pulls it off really well a lot of the stuff i like about uncharted is gameplay and exploration and combat and all of that's just going to be translated into how it works in a movie and I don't necessarily care I'd rather just have the game yeah <laughs> you know what I mean there's there's most video games can't like become movies nah I mean maybe Detective Pikachu was a fluke RPGs can become movies because they're they're largely story based Sure, maybe something like Metal Gear Solid will work down the line, although maybe it'll just be a convoluted mess. Honestly, I hope it is, otherwise you're not adapting Metal Gear Solid, it correctly. Yeah, it's like Metal Gear yeah. Solid is a convoluted mess. <laughs> I think Metal Gear Solid should be like a long-running like HBO series as opposed to like... That would be fun. Uh, a movie, because you can't condense that shit. You gotta give all that insanity time to breathe. Like, you need at least five episodes where... Raiden, like five full hour long episodes where Raiden is naked and confused and doesn't know what's going on. Otherwise, you're not given that moment the amount of time that it requires, okay? <laughs> you have to have at least three episodes of Revolver Ocelot 
uh, arguing with himself about whether he is Revolver Ocelot or Liquid Snake because he put Liquid Snake's arm on his detached arm. You know, it's you got to give all those really smart moments (laughs) time to breathe, okay? Uh. Fuck that. He's going to have his his Boston accent as as (laughs) Sully. (laughs) No! Is he going to... Is he going to buy... Uh, he's gonna buy himself a bagel and then Nathan Drake's gonna steal it and he's gonna beat him with a baseball bat and tell him to give yeah, him back dude. his bagel. You fuck steal my bagel? Yeah. What are you, some kind of Nathan Drake? Tom Holland Tom, Tom Hall will be uh, sucking on his pacifier. <laughs> wow, that's rude. Because he's a baby. <laughs> uh, he is young. I don't, I don't see him... This is gonna... You know what this movie's gonna be like? Solo? Yeah. To me, exactly like Solo, but uh, that's not a good vibe. Because it's like you're sucks. portraying the character before he's cool. The character, yeah. So you have to like have him like learn how to be that from like other characters that represent those aspects of his personality that he like adapts. Yeah. Over time, but then that means that like you're not you're not getting Tom Holland acting as Nathan Drake. You're getting Tom Holland acting as Tom Holland, probably more likely. Yeah. He's gonna be Spider Man. Awkward Drake. kid, which is not what I want Nathan Drake to be at no. all. Uh, this is fun as like a cocky asshole, just shoving shoving the fuck out of square pegs into round holes over here. <laughs> They're just trying so hard. They're just crunching it down, and it's not working. They're trying to force it. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to the Gat and Jub the Show. That's Gen. Hey, how's it going? I'm the guy that's named Gen. And I'm the Jub. That's named Jub. It's the show. Yeah. It's the show. <laughs> oh, Jeremy, oh, I'm, I'm going to talk more about Death Stranding because you're going to be able to get me to shut the fuck up about it. That's okay. I mean, I don't know. News? Die hard. Let's go, baby. Yeah, that's fine. We'll probably talk about Dial Hard a lot because good movie. A lot I'd to like talk to. about. Very influential. Well, I found uh, a lot more stuff than I was anticipating. Yeah, it's, uh, a, it's like a twenty-year-old movie that's super like influential and popular and like necessary. So there's a lot you, you tend to yeah, hear more about thirty-year-old kind of movie by now. Oh, it is thirty years old now. Yeah. Are you old? Haha. <laughs> Got him. Oh, shit. <laughs> I am old. Look, dude, dude. All right, look. I'm old. Okay. Are right, so Are you? Do you hear this? packet of papers this is a health insurance packet i'm old i'm old yeah fuck oh that looks depressing health insurance it is yeah <laughs> american just health like, insurance like, at some point in your life you're probably gonna be fucked so we need you need to pay guys to cover your ass yeah. but then they're gonna fight you every step of the way so your ass doesn't get covered look and you have to fight with them if someone shoots you in the head and you don't want to die you better have health insurance or you're just dead i think you're you're almost gonna die like 99 percent of the time somebody shoots yeah, you but in the head. like you know about that one percent, though. Yeah, and then then you're just you know you're gonna want to die because you have crippling hospital bills. 
So maybe don't have those with the health insurance. Right. Which is a really easy thing to do, obviously. It's really easy to just have it, just pay it, just, you know, it's really easy. Yeah. Just like, just like we have a job and make money. Yeah. A lot of it. Yeah. Not any job, just a big good job. Yeah. Good job, make money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how long this bit's going. I don't know what this bit even is. Yeah. Health insurance is shit. I hate it. Yeah. That's the bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about Death Stranding now. Talk about piss and shit and, I played, and hitting demons with them. Mm-hmm, I played yeah. 10 more hours of this game in the past week. Yeah, uh, I I have now completely fallen in love with it. I think it's uh, one of my favorites of this year for sure. Okay, the game opened up combat to me. Okay, and now it is so much more interesting. And the Metal Gear DNA is running through this game. How often like, does yes, combat yes, happen though? Is it yes. kind of just like whenever the random RNG enemies attack you? They're, it depends on where you are. Okay. Because they're the the guys you fight in the game are territorial. Like they have to, they have their own territory. As you walk into their territory, they have ways of like detecting you, and you have to hide. Do they from have them like bases? And, yeah. and Shit. Can mm-hmm. you like kill them all? You can infiltrate their bases. You can't kill anybody in this game. You can, just can't kill anybody. Right. Technically. Is that because of the phenomenon going on? Because you can't die. No. His case is special. Okay. It's like. No, the, Norman you just don't, Reedus, have, more you just like don't have any lethal weapons. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. You just don't have any lethal weapons. In Death Stranding. Okay. So you can't kill anybody, so you can't take out that threat permanently. No, but you can knock them out and, like, tie them up and shit. Okay. That, that's definitely one thing you do. You could take, like... You Does take, that take them out permanently? Uh, I don't think so. They eventually get it free? <laughs> yeah. What if I just build a prison and put them all in it? I'm trying to build a prison. I'm trying to build a prison. For you and me to live in. For you and me... Okay. I, I, no. You can't. <laughs> no, you can't. Oh, that sucks. But you can, you know, run around with a briefcase and just just hit him with a briefcase. Yeah, just the take take Sick. off part of your cargo, hold it in your hand, and just go wham! Fucking knock him out. Uh, does that ruin your cargo? It'll damage your cargo. Yeah. But like, if it's like a piece of equipment I have, like if it's can a ladder just, in the box. Can the you box, just fucking fuck slam a dude in the fucking head with your dead mom's corpse in this game? No. It's oh. already, already burned in. Fuck. Already, already burned Well, you did in. have to transport it, right? Uh-huh. So you could have. I just want to know if it's possible to attack people with your dead mom's corpse in this game. No, I don't think you can because you can't, like, it's too heavy to, like, put in your hands. Okay, that makes sense. That like, makes sense. You have to get, like, briefcase size stuff you can put in your hand, and then you could fucking hit people with it. Sure, okay. But you also you have other means, too. You have, uh, you do hand-to-hand. You could just punch people. Uh, you also have a bola gun, which is something mm-hmm. I just got, where it shoots out those ro- rotating bola on strings, and it wraps around them and, you know, ties them up, knocks them down. Those are fun. It's interesting that he went from a game series that encouraged you to not kill to a game series where you literally can't. You mean you can kill BTs? Aren't they already dead, if you want to get technical about it? They're, like, in between. Is their whole okay. thing. Well, it's not like they can be reborn, is it? Right. So they're either going to remain on here or die. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's fine. Yeah. Fuck them. They're not like normal people. Yeah. Yeah, those are, those are the things you can't kill. Those are the things you can't kill in the game. Uh, that being said, uh, does someone kind of want to... Minor spoilers for the game, do you care? Not if it's minor. It's just the, the way Chapter 2 
ends with. It's it's a surprise thing. I don't know if I want to spoil it for you though. I don't know. I might know somewhat already. I'm I just don't know. A, okay. I'm just gonna do it. Uh, the minor spoilers for Death Stranding. Uh, there's boss fights in this game. Okay. I fought a boss. Was it Troy Baker? It was a thing that Troy Baker made. Oh, okay. He just made it and then sent it at me and said, huh, fuck you, and then left. <laughs> and I was like, what? Sick. I was like, what's this? Big goop monster. Giant ass goop monster. Fucking me up. And you had to fight it. I had to fight it and okay. kill it. Okay. I was like, what? That's really interesting. Now, this happens at the end of chapter two. Yeah. Where you spent the whole first, like, ten hours of this game not fighting anything. Just delivering packages. Just delivering, walking around, delivering packages. So this could be many people's first encounter. Right. I guess. That's the first time I actually, besides like, like learning how to throw like those grenades and then like piss on the BTs and shit. (laughs) Right. Yeah, sure. Like, like, like actual combat encounter. Yeah. Where like this thing was like definitely like, if I don't do shit, it's going to kill me. Whereas like before the BTs are, there's not as many BTs lying around the areas you're going through, so you could relatively just like sneak around them with ease and not worry about it too much. Hmm. But I was experimenting, so I was throwing shit at them and seeing how it worked. But this situation, you have to fight and you have to kill this thing. So I got a bunch of bunch of blood grenades. Sure. And you and it takes a lot. The boss has a health bar. And it's a lot of health. And it's a lot of running around trying not to get fucked while you're, like, throwing grenades and, like, pissing on it and shit. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus Christ, it was awesome. Okay. It happened, and I was like, oh, my God. Doesn't surprise me, necessarily, that there's a boss fight in Metal Gear DNA is all over this game. But it is interesting that people are describing it as, like, there's no gameplay. And then, like, all the time I hear about it from you, and I hear that there's a... Things that happen that you can do, <laughs> like so. Come on, man. I don't know. Yeah, no. I think those those people that think it's just a walking simulator haven't gotten. I, feel I mean, like this they is must have gave up ten hours in. They had to have because. But that is unfortunate that you have to get ten. Right. Hours I was about to, to say to that. that. Like yeah. that's it's a problem that you have to get ten hours into that game in order to, for it to get like really exciting. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because that's when that's when the game like truly hooked me. Is when I hit the end of chapter two and I fought that boss. And I was like, okay. It's here, and then I got to infiltrate a base, and I was like, there's Metal Gear in this. It's Metal Gear. Right. There is Metal Gear all over this. Is there Patriots yet? No. no. Let me technically you're your Patriot. Oh, fuck! But not the bad kind. No, just no, like I a, got just like you. a good I, kind. I you're trying you to rebuild America. I understand what you mean. I, don't, I might be working for bad guys. I don't, I'm not convinced. Well, you know, here's the thing with Kojima. Yeah, right. You pretty much always are. I kind of start the game off assuming I am, and then I'll just find out later by right. this point. I feel like by the time the game's over, I'm going to be like, I'm going to kill Troy Baker, <laughs> and then be like... Troy Baker was a good guy the whole time? Right. And be like, yeah. Troy Baker was trying to, uh, trying to overthrow something that, like, it's a bad thing, and now I have to fuck with it. Now I, now I have to fucking dismantle it my goddamn self because I killed Troy Baker like a big idiot. Yeah. There you go, Kojima games. Yeah, I mean, like, do all of them do this? Metal Gear Solid 1, Metal Gear Solid 2, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 3, because the enemy faction is actually, besides Vulgan, is just in their actions. They're trying to do something. Right. Uh, 4, you're not necessarily working for the bad guys, but you're still tricked into doing something against your will, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes you are. By the fucking the meme man himself, Ocelot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then five is just whatever the fuck happened in five. 
<laughs> well, Fabio, you're, you're your own boss. Yeah, so like, but well, I guess the secret of that game is uh, spoilers for old game that doesn't really matter. Uh, is that you're not big boss? I yeah. guess would be the spoiler. Right. But um. So yeah, there's like some kind of big twist in like every single Kojima game. He's the. He's the you know. M Night Shyamalan of video games. He does make about as much sense. <laughs> but at least his games are fun to play. I mean, that's an unfair comparison because Hideo's quality is usually higher. I'm yeah. just saying that, like, uh, in in terms of twists being designed into the DNA of every fucking thing he makes, that's true. Mm-hmm. And that I assume that is 100% going to be the case for Death Stranding. Otherwise, it'd be pretty atypical. Yeah. But this game is atypical in several ways, so in I don't know. Ways. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. I'm at the point where the game, like, this is stupid that it's happening almost 20 hours in, but I'm, like, really hitting the point <laughs> in the game where it's hitting its stride. And, like, I'm really, like, you get, like, a full grasp of systems and the game's giving you stuff to make at least, like, the overall experience of carrying things easier because it gets to the point in that game where it becomes less about you worrying about the cargo you're carrying and more about, like, traversing this, like, really, really hostile territory and, like, really just bad environments that are hard to traverse. Yeah. And you're more focused on getting through all that than how much than your load management, which was, like, your number one concern in, like, the first ten hours of the game. It was, like, you were just... You are having trouble just managing the load. Right. And then... You go, you go here, like, you, it gives you, like, these robotic, like, leg enforcers that almost, like, doubles your load capacity. And at that point, you just throw whatever the fuck you want on yourself. Sick. And you don't care. And then you can just, as long as it's balanced, and then you can just move. So is there, like, side quests in this game, or Not is it all tons. just a... Okay, so, tons. like, maybe, like, wait until you get some, uh, better gear to do a lot of yeah, them? Yeah, like, you, you, you unlock, yeah, because you unlock fast travel. Oh, okay. And, like, I would say just go through the main story until you get to chapter three. All right. Because in chapter three is when you get you get fast travel, you get a bunch of gear to help to help make your life easier. You could manufacture vehicles. It gives you everything you need to make uh, make your life easier while transporting. I suppose cargo. you know if you if there's like post game kind of like. I think there is. Okay. From what I can tell, because like people will talk about like going back and like finishing stuff up. Now it could just be like the type of thing where like it just puts you right before the last mission or whatever. I'm not sure. Uh, that would make a lot of sense. Um, the last thing you do in Death Stranding might completely change the landscape. It could of the be game, something so. very similar to how Metal Gear Solid Five did things. Yeah, where it's just like you know, hey, you sort of beat the game. Well, I doubt it'll be as unsatisfying as the ending. Because well, that was an unfinished game. This is a finished. Yeah, game. yeah, it's one of the most unfortunate unfinished games of all time. Because <laughs> how well that thing played. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man. That would have been something going on at Konami because you have. There's Hideo- definitely something yeah, going on. Yeah, well, like, people are talking about, oh, just Hideo Kojima can't finish an over budgeted game or whatever. Like, he finished Death Stranding in three years. Yep. Don't tell. He was given game. carte blanche, though. So, like, you know. I don't know if Konami was willing to spring the budget any further for Metal Gear Solid Five. That's why it released unfinished. And then he got fired. Right. I mean, I'm not saying it was a good move. They probably should have opened their fucking wallets. Because, like, that game was going to do well no matter what. And I think at this point, after he's made four of the best games of all time in a row, you let him do whatever. But, you know, I'm sure this has paid off for Sony. I think this game's selling well, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely is selling well. 
And it's, it's really divisive as far as like feedback goes. But like, yeah, but a lot of was already saying that he was it. expecting it. Yeah, like because he knew he knew going in what this was going to be. He's, he said it weeks before the game came out. Yeah, he yeah. He, he, he knows what he made. It's <laughs> it's, it's it's he knows, he knows it's that it's weird. different. Yeah, it's a different kind of game. It's it's not like anything else I've ever played. Well, that is a good endorsement, though. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. You, you have to you have to slog through. You could probably you could probably get through the first two chapters in less than ten hours. I did side stuff. Okay. But I actually don't recommend that you do any side stuff until you get to chapter three because then it just makes life so much easier. Sure. But I was like I was like doing side stuff. I was like transporting extra packages and picking up lost cargo for people and all that shit. Going places I didn't need to go. Like, fuck that. Just get through the story until you get to chapter three, and then you can hunker down and fucking jump into the side stuff if you want to, because you'll do it much faster, much more efficiently. Which is great, because you're... There's some side quests where you're just walking and carrying packages. I also delivered a pizza, though. That was a side quest I did. I've heard about this one. It's a bitch. I've heard it's extremely hard to deliver a pizza because you can't tip it. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, because then the pizza gets ruined. horizontally, so, like a pizza. You could trick it. Here's you can trick can. it. You can trick it into carrying the pizza on your back straight. And by like crouching? No, by by organizing your cargo a certain way. Oh, okay. You take like a bunch of boxes, right? Because your backpack is like it has like a a thing where it can like zip in or come out. So you you stack as much shit as you can on the inside of the backpack till it comes out as far as it can, and then you can lay the pizza box on top of it. Long ways, huh. and then and then your pizza won't fucking tip. That's as funny. long as you don't fall over. That's funny. But see, I I built, I dumped a shit ton of materials into building a road, like a big ass road, out like in the, in the area I'm in right now. So like I was able, most of I'd gotten my bike, and most of my drive was just on like paved road, didn't have to worry about tipping nothing. Went through a little bit. Literally a pizza delivery. It literally delivered a pizza. Yeah, it was awesome. Who'd you deliver it to? Did you recognize them? Uh, there was not a guy. Oh, okay. I'm sure there was not, there will be ones with celebrity guests, but this one there was no guy. There's, there's I mean, apparently there is a shitload. Yeah. Yeah. All of Kojima's famous friends. There was a the one I just got. It was just this dude like emailed me and it was like, "I need a pizza now," and I was like, "Fuck, okay, buddy." <laughs> I went and got him a pizza. It's like, all right, I'll give you this shit. Dude, have you noticed that the world is, like, dying, you piece of shit? Pizza, now! <laughs> He's like, that's actually the email was like, my wife is really sick. Like, sir, Sir Sam Porter Bridges, my good friend, my wife is, is not feeling well, and she's having trouble eating. The trouble is, the only thing she eats is pizza! So please, if you would, bring me pizza now! And I'm like, okay. Okay, so it wasn't just literally like, you know, I want pizza. Give me pizza. And his wife only eats pizza. That's pretty dumb. If you're going to pick one thing to eat for the rest of your life, pizza's not a bad bet. But, like, then you have to have, like, Sam Porter Bridges deliver it to you all the time in hostile territory. Yeah. Which is, like, you're going to bank on that? you got to pay a lot for that pizza, I assume. I'm sure it's like, expensive, yeah. yeah. Can't just do I'm that. sure he pays Bridges a lot of money. A lot of likes or whatever the currency is. <laughs> likes isn't a currency. It's something. But it's just, like... Yeah. It's, like, ultra Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But instead of really posting the good memes when you're doing your fucking job. Right. <laughs> that's Death Stranding 
And I can't. I don't think I could possibly give any more of a rounding endorsement for what that game is. Uh, if you if you like if you like what I said, go play it. It's it's an interesting experience, and I think it's one that's worth having for most people who play video games. I will definitely look into it. Whenever you're done with it, I suppose. Yeah, I'll just play it on my shit when you're done. Because, oh man, you will enjoy it. Oh, what's next on the docky, huh? I don't know. Uh, I've just been playing the Batman and the Crash Team Racing. Yeah, same shit. Yeah, different day, different week, different <laughs> eon. <laughs> um, we're winding up to the uh, to the Pokemon release. By the time this episode airs, Pokemon will be out. And it is just heated up. I want it to be out already so that the discourse can reach the fever pitch that it's headed towards and then die down finally. I need yeah, people I to shut up. <laughs> now, yeah. I, I'm I'm kind of like on both sides of this, so which I. I, I hate, but I, understand. I am. But here's the thing. Yeah. I understand the frustrations behind this game. Um, a lot I of people talking about like the, the the whole Dex thing. Like, yeah, I get it. And then looking at it, it's like, okay, if they're going to do this, they need to make massive improvements to their quality of life inside the game. Graphically, it doesn't look like they've done that. But I don't really care about that. What I care about is like gameplay wise, and I haven't seen anything from that yet. Everything I've seen makes it look like another Pokemon game that doesn't really succeed in capturing my interest beyond some Pokemon that I think look cool. And for me, I don't know if that's enough. I don't blame you. Because what Nintendo is has been really good at over the years is letting their franchises evolve and avoid becoming stagnant. Well, the thing is, see, Pokemon has like, developed out of house. I agree. It's different. Yeah. And therefore, it doesn't have that same level of quality, I guess, you should expect from Mario and Zelda titles. Yes. It doesn't have... Oh, yeah. You, you have you have absolute fucking legends working on these games. I mean, Eiji, yeah, Eiji Onuma and fucking like everybody at Nintendo is just like... They're like the mega of software development talent in Japan. Right. And then you have like Game Freak is still not that big of a studio, which is a problem, and they really should expand. I think so. Um, Pokemon is... Developing for the single biggest video game franchise in the world? Yes. They need to bulk the fuck up and stop stop outsourcing so much development and like really hunker down, get a great development team going in-house. You could probably poach people from Square Enix and shit, and then just fucking... <laughs> and it would allow them game. to make a fucking bomb-ass game right. uh, that no is worthy of being, you know, right next to Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey. Right, Unlike this one, which looks like, you know, like if, you toned, if you toned down a couple things, it could still be a 3DS game. Right, you it's like I a mean? half It's like a half measure, and they do this all the time. And game Freak does this all yeah. the time, where they, they do, a, like, they have a really interesting idea, like the wild area thing. It's very interesting, right? Where you have the, just big, massive area where you can fuck around, catch Pokemon, shit changes all the time. Great, it's like an open world, right? Sure. Awesome, cool. And, but they only made it, it's only that area, and it's only so many Pokemon there, and you can't do anything with other people in a game that feels like it could have a strong multiplayer component. And you took a bunch of shit out of the game to put that in there. But you strip features. Like, 
they don't go the full way. They don't yeah. they don't do the Witcher two to Witcher three jump. They just take other shit out. Nah, Pokemon is a franchise full of half measures. Yeah. And and it's it's kind of frustrating. Uh, now I played Sun and Moon and I liked Sun and Moon okay, Sun but it's fine. I I don't think that there was anything there that was going to win me over and bring me back for when they released Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Yeah. And you know, I kind of hate it feels borderline exploitative. It is. To just pump out the same game all the time. And I and I know that there's lots of people that are okay with it, and it I can't depends. really blame them. Like, there's lots of new Pokemon to get, and it's fun and it's fine. They can't be the only thing that they Still play the catch them all. It can't be the only thing that they do. They can't keep taking out shit to put new shit in. They need to like actually expand instead of just yeah. like palette swapping, which is basically what they do every every generation of Pokemon. They're really just swapping palettes. So let's change to this, and they change instead of evolve into something else. And everybody was hoping that you know, with, with you going on the Nintendo Switch, a home console that can run beautiful looking video games like Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey, that you'd be able to put a well running, really gorgeous Pokemon game on this console that revolutionizes it like those other two did. Now Odyssey is not really as much of a revolutionizing game, but it really like fortifies and like smooths out the experience that was originally created with Mario 64. Is really what Odyssey yeah, and is. And Mario Galaxy. Like yeah. it's it's a it's it's a process. Right. Like I'm not saying you need to make that big giant like change like Breath of the Wild. Like even I'm still saying that like even Zelda with, you know, perfecting the Ocarina of Time formula was still yeah. doing interesting things. Right, but it wasn't like it didn't feel like you were losing something somewhere else. It felt yeah. like there was something new. And like Pokemon just like it it just it, it's just always done that. Ever since like really ever since the HeartGold Soul Silver, the Gen two remakes. Yeah. Where they hit their maximum at like that interesting like new features. Yeah, it's their yeah. peak. Of just like interesting new features, adding layered stuff, like taking everything that, that, that the fourth generation put in the game when they jumped a DS and like fucking cranking it up to ten. It was awesome. There was a lot going on with that game and the different features it had. And then starting from that point going on, they would just put new stuff in, take old stuff out, put new stuff in, take old stuff out, and just do that over and over and over again. So those new systems they put in each fucking year don't get time to grow and develop and change. I want them to put new stuff in. And leave it in for a And then years. leave it in. And then, like, then eventually turn it into, like, what Pokemon will be now. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to just keeping it the same. Yeah. And I realize it has its fans. And that's fine. I, I'm one of them. To I'm be still fair. buying it. <laughs> just letting you guys know because I just enjoy playing me a good Pokemon game. Pokemon and sure is still good. Play great. A lot of a lot of Pokemon is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And that's fine. But I think a lot of things like the graphics, the way the world is presented to you. The lay of the land, the way battles play out, the way battles look. A lot of things could have great quality of life improvements to really make the game expansive and great and really feel like a next step. Yeah. And it doesn't really feel like a next step. It feels feels like like they just sidestepped and just 
made another one. Yeah, um, honestly. And that's fine if they were still on 3DS and this came out right after Sun and Moon and I wasn't expecting a big new thing, but this is like Pokemon isn't a $40 handheld game anymore. It's a $60 console title, and there's still two of them. So instead of spending $40, you have to spend $60, or buy both and spend $120 fucking dollars. Why would you do that? And it's for something that doesn't really add enough to really justify that to me. Yeah. But then you also... So, yeah, there's all that. It's The other side of this I don't agree with necessarily either. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like there's a difference between criticism... And being a big baby. And being a big baby bitch. This is what a lot of people are doing. Yeah. Like, all right, guys, listen. All right. Come come on in. Huddle around. Huddle up to to Uncle Jubby over here. We're going to have a little talk. Okay, gamer babies? Come here. Come here, gamer babies. Let me give you a little kiss, kiss on the head. A little, little smoochy Don't on the Don't do that. You'll get infected. A little smoochy on the nugget. You'll start okay? playing video games, too. Oh, fuck. I don't, don't do that. Do that. Oh, shit, dude. Can I, I need to wash out my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, game babies, okay? Mm. Texture popping is not like a new thing in video games. Oh, I saw that. That was stupid. It's all the time. I hate it that. Happens. It happens in your favorite video games. It happens in The Witcher 3. Do you only play games on, like... A massively, like, big-dicked PC or something? Have you never seen texture popping in good video games in your life? I just want to point that out to you. You can't You can't just point that out as something that's stupid and egregious. That shit happens in Grand Theft Auto Five. Like, Yeah. Like, shut the fuck up. There are really big, obvious things to complain about. Yeah, why are you complaining about the little dumb but shit? But now you're Doesn't going matter. over it with a fine tooth and comb and trying to find the little microscopic things wrong with it? I don't care about that shit. I really Gra- don't care about that shit. Graphical fidelity means nothing to me nothing to me in an rpg literally fucking nothing undertale is great and it's all hand-drawn and it looks goofy as fuck wonderful game graphic fidelity doesn't mean anything that's true i feel like the pokemon games have looked very similar for like three generations now and and i would like a change at least like a change art style sure. yeah not necessarily like it got them better graphics though right. but a different art style i'm fine i'd be fine with that that's fine a different like it just a step forward as opposed to, it's been the same for three mm-hmm. generations. Yeah, like, it's fine. Like, it, the game doesn't have, Pokemon games don't have to look as gorgeous as something like Breath of the Wild or Mario Odyssey. They don't have to look that good. But they have to play that good. No, I don't expect them to make individual new models for a thousand Pokemon either. No. Uh, but it is strange that the series that is all about catching them all isn't. In this time, you're still catching them all. Like, you can't. Yeah, right. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not convinced that this is going to be the case forever either. No, absolutely not. It's not going. The thing to be. that people have over. stuck to and bitched about the most is the Dex isn't complete. I think it's and the you last can't transfer over all your Pokemon. That's the last thing on my fucking list. Yeah, the I'm just saying that's the thing list. that's got the most attention. Yeah, because it's because people like go oh, like I understand. I'm much more interested in new Pokemon than I am in old Pokemon, for sure. Uh, if the Pokemon game is a good one, I want my team to be all new Pokemon that I've never had before when I'm going to play the Elite Four yeah. at the end of the game. That happened basically for Sun and Moon. There was a couple exceptions because I had, like, you know, Alolan versions of things. But that's yeah. another way you can do that while still keeping it like it's the same thing from before just remixed 
I, I do prefer that. It's just cool that that option has always been present. The legacy of it. Yeah. Being able to take everything from, you know, like you could take everything from forever to go and bring it to now. And like I said, I don't think this is something that's permanent. But, like, I don't have a problem with that happening, right? I understand if you have to, if you want to start over and you want to start from somewhere new, whatever. I've had these things for fucking years. And it's not like my 3DS is going anywhere. I sold mine. Yeah, my Pokemon bank still. It's still I running. Drugs. I'm just kidding. It was a video game. Don't worry. This is a, video games are drugs. Yeah. <laughs> you got you, you sold your 3ds for some Fortnite loot boxes, huh? Hell no. So Fortnite. I don't even remember what I got. Um, Did you get a uh, sixty sixty dollars of PS Plus. I probably paid off eventually. Got to play great games like that. Pause is there for a reason. Don't cut that one. There's a couple good ones. This month was really good for PS Plus. This month, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Can't wait to play Outlast 2 without playing Outlast 1. Whatever. Play Outlast 1 instead. I'm not going to know what's going on I, in this intricate plot. I don't think you know what's going on if you play the first one, though, but I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I was like, well, this is uh, mediocre, and then I turned it off. Oh. Whoops. Oops. Dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> Want to talk about a real walking game. I can't hit somebody with a briefcase in that last. No, you just got run like right. an asshole. You need to beat somebody with a briefcase in Death Stranding. Who's the real walking simulator here, motherfucker? True. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a running simulator. That's a spooky actually. simulator. You're simulating being spooked. Yeah, they're simulating it, right? Yeah. I ain't animating it. <laughs> Wow, dude, just fucking hate Outlast out here. I, I don't even like, know if it's I just, bad. It's not. I just like dunking on it because it's not for me, and like I appreciate. Wow, dude, the effort, but. I think it's fun to dunk on it. That's about it. I do I do prefer when horror allows you to fight back. Yes. In video games specifically. Yeah. That's what makes Resident Evil so great. Yeah. You still, you, you still gotta worry about your items and your resource management, but but you can kill that zombie. Do you kill that zombie in the first room? Like, fuck. Should have just going? left him there. Well, yeah, but like if he you, ain't hurt nobody, I just run away from him. Yeah, but like if, the, if you kill him, like the first time I played Resident Evil, I killed him and it felt so good because you can kill him first time you went through there. Fuck no, you did. You sure, ran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You came back and you had, you had guns and you're like, die, bitch, and you fucking <laughs> kill him. It felt so good. Oh yeah, no late game in Resident Evil where you get to kill everything is really yeah, good. It yeah, it feels so satisfying. But you get to that's that like point. the case in every single one, including mm-hmm. like seven. Yeah, and absolutely. It's always that late game push where it's just like, yeah, kill everything. There's a bunch of ammo. You're good. You're good. You're good. You feel really powerful. You're good. It's fun because you're getting to that climax. Where you're like, you are, you're ready. And like, those games don't have that. It's just No, gone. it's just run away. Right. It's not fun. Stealth game. I'm still willing to try it though. Because, you know, maybe. It's free. It will be good. I don't know. I've never played Outlast 2. The first one didn't get me. So I was like, okay. That's good, good enough for me. <sighs> what were you talking about? Gamer babies. Gamer Pokemon. babies. Gamer babies, listen here, kids. Pokemon! Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm done with your shit. You pick, pick something valid to talk about. You pick something valid to complain about with Pokemon. Like how they just don't do enough for a, for a developer of like the biggest franchise ever. They do less than Call of Duty devs do every three years. Like... It's bad. It's a good uh, comparison to make. It is. That's a yearly franchise. People bitch about that all the time. And uh, 
fuck. I mean, I now to be fair, I enjoyed the hell out of Let's Go Pikachu slash Eevee. I enjoyed the hell out of those games. But you know what they did? A bunch of really unique stuff. Something different. Yes. Really unique. I got to... I did a little stupid motion controls to throw a Pokeball, and it was fun. It was a stupid little fun gimmick. I had a good time doing it. I had a little Pokeball controller. It was expensive, but it was fun. Sure. You um, still have that thing. You could probably use it in uh, yes, you Sword can. Shield. I'm yeah. probably going to, yeah, because I can play with one hand. Yeah. And that's really nice. That way you can jerk off. Mm-hmm. No way I can edit this. You said that way too quick, Justin. No way I can edit this podcast while fucking playing Pokemon. <laughs> well, there you go. See, that's that's the real masturbation. Uh, this episode, I, I'm I'm putting this shit up tonight. It's not going live, but okay. I'm not gonna be on tomorrow. All right. Well, good good luck, sir. I appreciate well, going, everything you do. I'm going to die. <laughs> Don't die. <laughs> hmm. Is there yeah. anything else you wanna? We spent long enough talking about Bitch Pokemon. About it's diehard time, motherfucker. Oh, Let's go. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. God, die real fucking good, This movie makes dude. me fucking hard as a rock, dude. Let me fucking tell you. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. Does it? Yeah. Does it? Yeah. 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 It's, it's a good movie. It's a great movie. It's a good movie. Bruce Willis. Bruce. Bruce Willen. Yeah, Bruce Wylan. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I got a lot to talk about actually, cause uh, I did did a little bit of research, did a little bit of digging. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Digging. Digging. I I don't uh. I don't know what you know or what you don't know. I mean, obviously everybody's everybody's seen Die Hard I, I mean, assume I'm not, I don't know much about like what happens outside of the movie like as far as production and stuff like that goes I've just like seen the movie a hundred fucking times okay well then uh, let's start at the beginning okay and you're gonna be confused as to what the fuck this has to do with Die Hard hit me but uh, I'll just go go into it hit me um, so The Detective is a 1966 novel by Richard Thorpe uh, this novel was adapted into a successful film in 1968 uh, starring Frank Sinatra as lead character Detective Joe Leland. Uh, completely separate film, has very little to do with Die Hard. But, in 1978, Thorpe wrote a sequel to The Detective titled Nothing Lasts Forever. Nothing Lasts Forever would also be adapted into a film, but it would be retitled Die Hard. So Nothing Lasts Forever... Is Die Hard. It's supposed to be a sequel. Die Hard is a sequel, technically speaking, but there's a there's a lot of key differences I'm and sure. a lot of things to get into here. I'm sure we'll go through everything that happened in Die Hard, but I guess I'll just go through this briefly. The novel's very similar to the eventual film that would come out a decade later in 1988, but there's a few key differences that I'll go over real now, right now, real quick. Okay. Uh, first and foremost, the novel has an overall darker tone than Die Hard has, for yeah. sure, uh, which will become apparent towards the end of these comparisons. Uh, John McClane was instead known as Joe Leland because he was the character from The Detective. Right. Uh, McClane is portrayed as a much younger man in Die Hard, as opposed to Leland being a, I, I think, retired detective, or at least close to it. Oh, shit, okay. You know. McLean's more like Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon. Leland is more like the other guy in Lethal Weapon. <laughs> uh, 
the Japanese Nakatomi building is actually the U.S. Klaxon Oil building. In the book, Joseph Takagi, as a result, is instead a man named Mr. Rivers. Uh, Leland comes to the building to visit his daughter, not his wife, in the book. This character was named Stephanie Gennaro. McLean's wife went by Holly Gennaro, so they still use Gennaro. Uh, the cocaine-snorting sleazeball Harry Ellis is present in both the book and the film and suffers the same fate in both. However, in the book, he is sleeping with Leland's daughter. In the film, he merely hits on McLean's wife. Not as successful, this man. Yes. Uh, Hans Gruber was instead named Anton Gruber, but his henchmen referred to him by the nickname Tony or Little Tony. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Little Tony Gruber. <laughs> little Tony Gruber. Hey, little hey, Tony. Hey, <laughs> hey little Tony. I cook. Let me cook up little Tony pizza for you in the oven, eh? Oh God, that's not good pizza. I buy better pizza. I only preheated it to two seventy-five to take one cook. Anywho, Gruber's plan isn't to simply pose as terrorists to pull off a heist. In the novel, it's to steal documents that prove the Klaxon Corporation had dealings with the government junta of Chile. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> as well as throwing their millions in profits from this partnership out of the fucking window of the building. Hell yeah. <laughs> Al, Al Powell is the L.A. cop who talks to Joe slash John. In the book, he's only 22 in the film, he is much older. Uh, if you can hear that noise, sorry, that's on our end. I don't know what it is. It's a hissing noise. I hope we're not going to explode. Nah, it's coming from that. Oh, it's just water running. Okay, it's just water? All right, fuck it. We're just going to drown instead. Oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> Get the water. Anyway. Deputy Chief of Police Dwayne Robinson is at first hateful towards Joe, but comes around once he realizes he is on the police's side. Not true in the movie. In the movie, uh, he hates John, even at the end of the film. Uh, the character lives in the film, but is killed in the book when Carl shows up at the very end and shoots his ass. Holy shit. Uh, before being shot himself by Powell. So, that Carl actually succeeds in killing someone at the end. Now... Here's the really dark, fucked up part. Stephanie dies at the end of the book when Gruber grabs her after he's shot and takes her with him out the window as he falls to his death. They Jesus. both fall to their deaths. Uh, in the film, McLean obviously successfully saves his wife at the end. So that's a little, little different. A little, just a little. Now, obviously, John McLean lives to star in four other sequels. Jesus Christ. But this may have not been the case for Joe Leland in the book. Uh, it is implied that Joe may actually bleed out from his multiple wounds, which uh, is realistic. Let's be let's yeah, be fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> McLean goes through a lot of punishment in Die Hard and is just like, ah, fuck it. I'm just going to get in this limo at the end. <laughs> hey, you need to go take that limo to the hospital, bud? Bro, I, I, <laughs> I hope so. You're going to get gangrene in his feet and lose him. Die Hard 2 is he's in a wheelchair. I lost my legs. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so before it was decided that the film would have no connections to the detective, uh, the studio was contractually obligated to offer the lead role to Frank Sinatra. 
It was legally they had to do this. Uh, Sinatra turned it down, and it's probably a good thing. Absolutely. Uh, Frank Sinatra was in his early fucking 70s at the time. Yeah. That would have not been good. No. Uh, They probably wouldn't even have made the movie, to be honest. Uh, So, yeah, in order to distance it from the detective, they renamed a lot of the characters and didn't focus on any references from the detective at all. They just reshuffled it around to be its own thing. Right. It kind of reminds me how they made, like, uh, you know, the Da Vinci Code first, because that was, like, the popular one. Yeah. But there was, like, a prequel, and then they made that, like, a sequel later. Not that they did anything from the detective and the Die Hard franchise at all. They just made up their own shit after this. Yeah. But... I digress. So, let's get to actually making Die Hard now. The screenplay was written by Jeb Stewart, who would later write The Fugitive, and Stephen E. D'Souza, who previously wrote Commando and The Running Man. No shit. Uh, he would later write Die Hard 2, The Flintstones. <laughs> oh, no. The live-action Flintstones film. Oof. Beverly Hills Cop 3. No. Judge Dredd. No. Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. No. And, most importantly, he wrote and directed Street Fighter the movie. Holy fuck. (laughs) What a fall from grace. Probably not a good choice of director, this man who is a writer. But that was probably a passion project for him because he wrote and directed. Uh, I I guess that means that he wrote those base spice and lines at least. Hell yeah, dude's not a bad writer. No, no, Die Hard's written very well. He's written very well. So D'Souza said he wrote the film as if Hans Gruber was the protagonist, which I find very interesting and atypical. Uh, His quote here is, If he had not planned the robbery and put it together, Bruce Willis would have just gone to the party and reconciled or not with his wife. You should sometimes think about looking at your movie through the point of view of the villain who is really driving the narrative. It's true. true. It's correct. Nothing the whole film, everything that happens to McLean is just because of Gruber. Like, every single thing. Yeah. I, I fucking love... Alan Rickman in oh, this dude. movie. God bless One of the man. best film villains of all time, honestly. Yeah, God bless Alan I Rickman. I think uh, as we go through here, I'm going to I'm going to only do this for one reason, and that's to put Hank I uh, put uh Alan Rickman at number 1, but uh we're going to rank the diehard villains as we go, yeah. and I'm sure they all fucking suck. Hey, Gruber, comparatively. Nobody has nobody can even come close. Nobody in a lot of the franchises we've watched could even come mm. close. He's a great villain in this. Like, you, you can't can't get past it enough. The, the the scene where he acts like he's a fucking uh, an employee in the building is fantastic. Oh, uh, I forgot to write this down, but thank you for reminding me of that. That scene was added uh, because they found out Alan Rickman could do an American accent. Oh it shit! Was not in the script at the time of filming, and then they just decided to add it later. So there was actually no moment where like the two characters like met before the very ending of the film in that Ooh. regard. I mean, they talked on the radio a lot, but... Right. Uh, okay, so let's talk about... So Die Hard is about fake crime, not real crime. Let's yeah. talk about some real crime for a second. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Director is John McTiernan. Uh-huh. So, um, we, we previously talked about this briefly on our show because John McTiernan is the director of Predator so we talked about it in that episode yeah he directed Predator the year before Die Hard 
He would later direct The Hunt for Red October, Last Action Hero, and the third Die Hard film, we'll talk about him again, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Now, McTiernan hasn't directed a film since uh, 2003. Yeah. Probably due to his legal troubles. Uh, while working on the film Rollerball around the same time, in 2002, yeah. I think, uh, McTiernan hired private investigator Anthony Pelicano. Uh, this man uh, has been found guilty of several crimes during his career as a infamous Hollywood fixer. Uh, he was sentenced to 15 years and has uh, just been released this year, 2019. Uh, so... Good old McTiernan hires him to wiretap the producer of Rollerball, <laughs> Charles Rovin. Jesus. Uh, McTiernan had had disagreements with Rovin regarding the direction of the film and wanted to know his true intentions. McTiernan was accused of lying to the FBI about his hiring of Pelicano, as it was suspected he had also hired Pelicano to wiretap somebody else, suspected to be McTiernan's ex-wife. Uh, after nearly a decade of legal battles and plea changes, McTiernan served about a year in prison in 2013 and then finished his sentence on house arrest in 2014. McTiernan filed for bankruptcy while serving out his prison sentence and was eventually forced by the courts to liquidate all of his assets. Uh, don't feel too bad, though. He still gets royalty payments from Die Hard. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah, he's fine. So, I'm sure he still has more money uh, than me, or you, or anyone listening to this combined, but he's not a millionaire, likely. Yeah. Did lose his, uh, probably mansion and cars and shit. Right. But yeah, so that happened. <laughs> now he lives like around the same area that Brett Favre does. He's, is Brett Favre not not uber rich? He just, he just likes living in the mountains. Okay, well, I mean that's up to him though. Probably the more lumberjack. He's a guy. He's a guy. Okay. He's a guy. He's so anyway, guy. let's get back to the unproblematic time of filming Die Hard. Oh, there we go. That's nice. I appreciate uh, that. The lead role of John McClane is first offered to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who turns it down? Schwarzenegger turns it down because he wants to try something new. And Schwarzenegger in the 80s is only being Action Man 9000. Uh-huh. Uh, so he wants to try something new. Turns down Die Hard. What he turned it down for came out the same year as Die Hard. You want to give a guess as to what it is? No, shoot me. Twins with Danny DeVito That's and Arnold right. Schwarzenegger. Oh my god. He wanted to try comedy and I you know, I, I don't even think that was necessarily the worst move for Schwarzenegger. No, it's fun. Um I don't I honestly think that who they eventually chose for the lead was perfect because I believe Bruce Willis more is an everyman. Yeah. Then Arnold Schwarzenegger does not look human. And he works best in roles where he's, like, honestly kind of not. Yeah. Uh, where he is, like, a cartoon character of a man. Or a Terminator, you know. Things that uh, aren't necessarily normal. Yeah. Uh, I prefer that, to be honest. Bruce Willis just looks like a dude in this movie. Yes, and that's perfect for what this is. Now, uh, it was rumored that if they did cast Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, this would have resulted in the film being turned into uh, a sequel to Commando. He would be the same character from that movie. 
That's weird. Uh, Stephen E. D'Souza, who who wrote Commando, uh, denies this, however, but it's a rumor. Uh, so let's go. So so now the studio is like, well, we can't get him. Let's try some other people. Here is a not complete list. <laughs> Of people that were offered the role of John McClane and said, nah, Richard Gere. Oh, good. Clint Eastwood. Good. Burt Reynolds. Jesus Christ. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Harrison Ford. Huh. Nick Nolte. Mel Gibson. And this is not a complete list. Jesus there were several others. They offered every motherfucker. Yeah, so Die Hard was a big movie for Fox and... Reportedly, they were pretty desperate for a star because so many actors fucking turned the role down. I'm not sure why, necessarily. Maybe it seemed like a big commitment with lots of stunts. It was. So, Bruce Willis, then most famous for his role as detected David Addison in the TV show Moonlighting, was finally chosen to play John McClane. Uh, initially, even Bruce turned it down because he was contracted to work on Moonlighting, but uh, co-star Sybil Shepard ended up getting pregnant, and production on the show was delayed for about a year, freeing up Willis's schedule, which uh, is the best coincidence that's ever happened, because right. otherwise we wouldn't even got Bruce Willis in this fucking movie. Uh, so Fox also paid Willis $5 million to be in the film, uh, which was unheard of at the time for anyone except the biggest of the big stars. Uh, Fox defended Willis's payment as being representative of how reliant the film was on its lead. But it, it definitely appears to me that Fox is like, everybody's turning down this role. We need to get somebody in here. Just offer him a shitload of money. He can't say no. Right. He almost said no, though, actually. Yeah. <laughs> He's almost con- he was contractually obligated to say no. They were willing to pay to make this shit happen. Because right. like, they, they knew that this was their big tentpole movie of the year. They needed to get this right. They needed to make this work. So uh, a couple other actors that are in the movie, of course, Alan Rickman as yeah. Hans Gruber. Uh, this is his first film role. It's for his first film role for Bruce Willis, too. Those are both their first film roles. And they both do fantastic. Yeah, they do. Uh, obviously, Alan Rickman was successful on Broadway and, and was throughout yeah. his career. That's where they he got the role from. Uh, rest in peace. He he is the best. Love Alan Rickman in basically everything he shows up in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, He's, obviously Harry Potter movies. And he is that he he just as an actor has had this commanding presence and like yeah. just just absolutely like draws attention whenever he's on screen. It's powerful, an iconic voice too. It's yeah, a good voice. Wonderful voice, and yeah, obviously it's named from Harry Potter. It's like one of the yeah. one of the best characters of that entire series, for sure. Maybe the best, maybe yeah. the most fascinating because there's like you know lots of facets to yeah. that character. Yeah, absolutely. Alan Rickman plays him beautifully. Uh, Alexander Gudinov as Carl, the basically like secondary antagonist of this yeah. film, the one that like wants revenge because his brother got killed by John McClane. Uh, so he took few film roles after Die Hard, not wanting to be typecasted as a thug, and eventually uh, uh, died in the 90s and drank himself to death. It's kind of sad. But, uh, he's really good in this movie. I think a lot of the thugs work. It's aesthetically, at least. Like, I'm not saying it's fantastic acting, but it works. It works well. It works for what it is. Yeah. Uh, you have, like, a lot of just... 
It, it's a it's a hodgepodge crew put together of like angry Russian people and like hacker man, German people. Yeah, sorry, German people. Yeah, Germans. Yeah, it's and Europeans. And yeah. things. Yeah, and then hacker man. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess I'll just uh, meant. Well, you know what? I'll save him for last because it's funny. Okay. Uh, Bonnie Bedelia as Holly Gennaro slash McLean. Uh, she reprises her role in Die Hard Two, so don't look forward to that. I'm just kidding. I don't have anything against her. No, I have things fine. against Die Hard 2, probably. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely. Uh, also reprising his role in Die Hard 2 <laughs> is Reginald Vell Johnson as Sergeant Al Powell. Yeah. I don't know how you write him into the sequel, but whatever. I don't know what happens in Die Hard 2. I do find it worrisome that these characters aren't in 3, but I digress. <laughs> Maybe it's just like a little cameo at the beginning, like, you know. Uh, so he's all—he's more—he's actually probably more famous for playing uh, Carl Winslow on Family Matters, yeah. actually. But this is probably his most second famous thing because Die Hard is a you know a movie that everybody knows about. Uh, Paul Gleason plays uh, Deputy Chief Robinson, uh, the asshole who's like you know fuck that guy's probably a fucking idiot. It's probably just you know he is one of the terrorists. Just just you know fuck that guy. And then Al Powell's like, you know, you son of a bitch, can't you read between the lines? It's great. Uh, this guy comes off as an asshole, and he played one of the biggest, most iconic assholes of all time, Assistant Principal Richard Vernon in The Breakfast Club. Yeah. I knew I recognized him, obviously from this, but like from something else, and it was this. It was this 100%. And uh, the only other one I want to mention is Clarence... Gilliard as Theo, the computer expert. And I mentioned him because he would later play Jimmy Trevette on Walker, Texas Ranger, boys. Hell yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so, uh, he's a meme. He got to be a meme man in Die Hard, and then he got to be in the memeiest show of all time. Great. Walker, Texas Ranger. That's a good career. Proud of that, man. Good job. <laughs> So, uh, I guess the rest of these I could kind of get to as we go through the movie. Yeah, Die Hard. So do it, Josby. Well, all right, everybody, it's Krimbus. That's right, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Yeah, and now let it me go fuck on a, it is. Yeah, let me go on a bit of a tangent here. I'll go okay? on it with you. All right, this so is a Christmas movie. We, uh, along with the talk of Die Hard, at least of recent years, has also been the talk of what constitutes a Christmas movie. Now, I want to lay this out for you, because a lot of people, what, what people think are Christmas movies are really just family comedies set on Christmas. Right? Sure. Right? Sure. Like, you think about, like, National Lampoon's for Christmas Vacation, and fucking, like, Tim Allen's Santa Claus, and... Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's... Without Christmas, that movie doesn't exist. Right. Though, right. Because he becomes the Santa I, Claus. I understand that. <laughs> but also, without Christmas, Die Hard loses a bit of its luster, too, I think. I think it works really well as a juxtaposition from what's happening. Yeah. Uh... That it's on Christmas because the score having these kind of like bells throughout it is really neat. I like that motif, you know, because it's supposed to be, you know, Christmas is that time, you know, hey, goodwill to Earth. And then there's like fucking terrorist plot happening. It's yeah. brilliant. It honestly is. Uh, and it's been something that's been, you know, copied and done a billion times over at this point. There's lots of movies that take place around Christmas just for the fuck of it. Um, 
Yeah. I don't think Die Hard necessarily does it for the fuck of it. Which is something that... Uh, no, I like a that lot it. Of people uh, say that it does, but it doesn't. Christmas is an important part of Die Hard. Yeah. Well, because uh, what are your key components? The reason components that the plot happens is family. Right. <laughs> no, like if you, know you talk mean? about if Christmas didn't exist, Die Hard wouldn't have happened either. No. Because he's coming down there for Christmas. He's coming it's, there for Christmas. Right. Same thing as Santa the Claus. The reason. Uh, Gruber is trying to group it up is because there's not a lot of people there because it's Christmas. There's just right. an office party going on. So he knows that the people he wants to talk to will be there. But no. not a lot of people will be there. Right. And police presence will be minor, really low key because it's Christmas. Right. Uh, that all makes sense. Yeah. It all makes sense to it's, me. It's a Christmas movie. It is literally a fucking Christmas movie. Stop saying it's not. You were incorrect. And so, if it wasn't a Christmas movie, you wouldn't have got possibly the best moment in the entire film, which is where John McClane kills a dude and then writes, ho, 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 now I have a machine gun on his sweater and then leaves him for the other bad guys to find, <laughs> which is possibly the most brilliant moment in cinema history. So you, can't, uh, you wouldn't have that. And and I don't even want to watch this movie if that doesn't happen in it. Right. I'm just kidding. This is, I'd still be still be good. But that's I love that moment so much. It's so stupid. All the Christmas <laughs> stuff, dude. Yeah. Just, uh, when the place is blowing up and like Christmas trees are falling over and shit, and you hear the jingles. It's amazing. Yeah. It's great. It's like oh, Christmas is fucked. <laughs> I'm not like not like Tim Allen fucking up Christmas. Like no, nah, that's different. Like, that's like, more violent. Yeah. Like explode. Yeah, it is. <laughs> It's more violent to Christmas. Killed Santa Claus. Then it took his place, motherfucker. What is wrong with you, Tim Allen? It's always it's never set well with me, like even as like I know like I know the Santa Claus is a children's film yeah. meant for children. Right. But as a children, <laughs> I uh I, I was like, this is fucked up. Dude killed Santa. You know, you could say it's an accident, but whatever. You killed, killed Santa. Yeah, right. Now, um, you know, the person I want taking my place if I die is definitely not the person who fucking killed me. Okay? Yeah. Clearly, uh, you'd think Santa would have, like, some kind of system in place where he's like, okay. Uh, you know, we're going to train, like, an elf to be Santa, too. Or, like, another human. You know, like, whatever. It's like, you know, we got to train somebody to be Santa, too, for when I die. Uh... Not just, oops, I guess whoever killed me is Santa now. And then, like, he becomes him through some kind of metamorphosis where he grows a beard <laughs> and he can't not have the beard. Through a blood ritual, he becomes <laughs> Santa. That movie's a horror film. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is something else. And it's just as much of a Christmas movie as Die Hard is. <laughs> By the yeah, way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's fun. I, I like the vibe. All right, we got it. We got it. We got Jonathan McClaney coming through. Yeah. There's a New York cop. Coming to the other coast, uh -huh. L.A. He, move, he going to, to L.A. to go see his wife. And he's, he's on a plane. That's how the movie starts. And the guy says the thing about clawing your feet at the carpet, make you feel a little more comfy. And you're like, okay, whatever, bud. Grabs his fucking, grabs a big-ass stuffed bear. Mentions something, I'm a cop. That dude fucks this man's life up unintentionally so bad because he's the entire reason why 
John McClane doesn't have shoes on yeah. when the shit hits the fan. Right. Uh, which sucks. <laughs> but I like how, like, everything is kind of set up. Like, yeah. it's not like he just doesn't have shoes for no reason. Right. They have to set up for him not why he doesn't have shoes. They have to set up all these little things that pay off immensely well later. Yeah. I appreciate so much when movies do that. Yeah, Die Hard does a great job at it. Yeah. Better than a lot of films. Uh-huh. Because he gets, he gets, gets to L.A., there's a limo waiting for him. Mm-hmm. And there's a motherfucker inside it, pulling up. Does it get in? And John McClane's a, a doofus and gets in the passenger seat. Right. What? Are, what? Are you in a limo, dumbass? By the way, I love the limo driver guy. No, he's great. Uh, Clarence, whatever. Yeah. I love him so much. He's great. Uh, I looked him up. I forget the actor's name. Wasn't really in anything else. Oops. But hey, he's in this. And that's iconic enough. Yeah, no, he did a great yeah. job. That fucking, uh, is it Run DMC Christmas yeah. song? Mm-hmm. Fuck, that's, that's a good choice for this. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> Once again, it's a Christmas movie. Uh, no shit. Yeah. It's obvious. So, pulls up. So, to talk about it, you kind of get a little bit of backstory about how, like, wife, a little, little strange, strange, trying to win her back. They, their relationship's been a little rocky because he's been in New York and she's been in L.A. It's a well-written exchange, actually. Yeah. Because you have an overly talkative character and then one that doesn't want to necessarily yeah. and it still finds a way with this concept to convey all the information it needs to yeah about where john mcclane and his wife are at right now right uh exposition delivered in an interesting way as opposed to just laid out for you in a boring way appreciate that that's some good writing thank you yeah thank you very much yeah it's there's all the information we need to know their, their relationship's not good he's visiting her to surprise her and win her back hopefully Hopefully. It goes really well. <laughs> and, 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 uh, Actually, I like, guess it sort of does, but <laughs> no thanks to all the terrorism things that happened. Mm-hmm. But but still. <laughs> would, she have, would she have said yes, the terrorists were there, weren't there? I don't know. But was it worth it? Probably a good thing, terrorism. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to be quoted out of context, just like when you said... Adolf Hitler was the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Damn, dude. <laughs> I forgot I did that. Yeah, I'm not going to let you forget. <laughs> so, the uh, liberal driver kid says, uh, hey, I'm, I'm going to stay in the garage. You just, you just let me know what happens. I'm going to stay in the me. garage and listen to Stevie Wonder music really loud so I don't hear the terrorism happening. Right, but you can ring me. Right. And then, and then McLean, like, okay, goes inside. By the Dude. way, uh, this building, the yeah. set for Die Hard, uh, is the Fox Plaza building in Century City, L.A. Okay. Uh, this was Fox's corporate headquarters in real life. Uh, and serves as the exterior and interior of the building in the film. This is a real building. Oh, shit. Or at least it was. I don't know what the... It's probably the, the Disney dick now, but... Disney uh, dick. <laughs> the building was under construction in fiction and in reality. Oh, okay. So uh, the floor under construction in the film that we're going to see in a little bit, we'll talk about, not see, yeah. uh, was actually turned into an office. For uh, former President Ronald Reagan in real life, as he uh, had a position at the Fox. Oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, that's weird. Ronald Reagan lived in a diehard room. 
and then he fucking died hard. Just would die hard sooner, you know what I mean? Oh, Thanks man. For Thanks for help perpetuating the AIDS crisis, you fuck! Hey, man, he was... You know, he didn't know any better. He was like, uh-huh. I'm Ronald Reagan. I have Alzheimer's when I'm president. Oops. I have a brain cell. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Fuck him. Presidents are stupid, dude. We should just not have those. We should just live in a <laughs> Mad Max society. That's you want anarchy. Yeah, dude. No thanks. Yeah, I'm going to elect Eric Andre as president. <laughs> yeah, that would work great for you. Yeah. Be perfect. So yeah, John McClane enters the building, big building, beautiful building. Good job, Fox. Uh, this is a really good building. It, I, I definitely believe that it is a place where a bunch of corporate assholes would hang right. out. Because it was. It's so brilliant. It fucking was. Brilliant. But hey, I, I, I still appreciate the movie for taking advantage of that. Fox was probably just like, yeah, okay, you could use the building. But then the filmmakers are kind of like, this is kind of hilarious. I bet. Yeah. It's like we get to use this and kind of like, not like necessarily like parody it to like a insulting extent for Fox, but like definitely there's elements of parodying those like 80s fucking yuppity businessmen kind of, you know what I mean? Especially that one character. Especially that one character who we'll see at the party here. Yep. He He likes Coke. Yep. It's the 80s. Get some champagne. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like it. Puts it back. That's a good boy. John McClane's a pussy boy. <laughs> he just doesn't like fucking... He wants something harder than that. He wants to drink vodka straight out the... He wants to drink some Miller High the Life. The fat. <laughs> yeah, probably. John McClane probably drinks Miller High Life. Let's be real. Milwaukee's here. best. No, no, you know what? No. no, he drinks Genesee Ice. Ah, oh, what a weirdo. That yeah. sounds entirely correct, though. Right, you're right. You're fucking seeing... okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> so... John McClane uh, gets stopped by uh, who we find out is the boss yes of the building what's his last name again Takanaga or is that the building I I believe he has a different name Tageki if I got that correctly I'm terrible with names I'm sorry I apologize everybody I don't remember names it's not it's not good it's not good for me it's not good for you. It's not good for Genhart, who now has to go and look this up. It's just a bad. Well, I'm just not paying everybody. attention to you. I'm just letting you die. That's fine. I'm dying live hard. on stage. Yeah, this is exactly what's happening. I'm <laughs> tanking. I need your help, Genhart. You don't need to know his name. <laughs> it's Takagi. Uh, okay. I was right. It's the Nakatomi building, but right. his name is Takagi. Right there we go, Mister okay. Takagi. Uh, stop, Sean McLean. Like, oh hey, look, you're Mister McLean. Go meet, meet, meet up with your wife. So they they go find her and say, you can wait in her office when she's at a meeting. He walks in, motherfucker's doing coke right on the desk. This is a New York cop. Watch motherfucker do coke on the desk. He doesn't really seem to give much of a shit, though. No, because though. he's not on the clock. Yeah, fuck that. He already don't works gotta around. be a cop all the time. He already works around the clock. I already he's work around the clock. He's in L.A. right now. He's not trying to work. I had to say it. There's yeah. no way to say it. Right. Other than that. Well, I don't even remember what movie that's from, but that's Harrison Ford yelling at Brendan Fraser. It is. That's all I know. I don't. I, forget what I don't care about too. context beyond that. No, not really. That's all you need to know. <laughs> I just know that he was told to work around the clock, and he was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. That's it. So. Uh, coke guy goes like, "Oh fuck, my boss is here. I'm snorting coke." Uh, gets up. 
hey, you missed a little there. Yeah, that, yeah, Bruce Willis, yeah. Say, hey, you missed a spot. You missed a little. He's like, too coke. And then the wife comes in, sees him there. They, they do a little embracey brace. She like, let's go. Want to want to check out the building? He's like, yeah. And they go into like a little little bathroom area. So like, yeah, wash he's, up. he's cleaning up. And then, but then they have an argument because yeah. uh, she has renamed herself to Gennaro. Uh, this doesn't really expand upon it. I don't really know if this is her maiden name or it is she like. Uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense more than it because I don't know. Think she's like dating anyone. No, no, it's um, her maiden name. She just used it because she, uh... And he's pissed because he wants them to still be, you know, married and shit, but, you yeah. know... She kind of, like, half uses it as a device to advance in the company, because that's a thing. And then also, Yeah, she like, said that. Yeah. She, th- so they don't think that she's married she, You could tell she was probably telling the truth on that. And then also, yeah. then also at the same time, their marriage was a little estranged, and she wanted yeah. to think about it much. Because he still chose to live in New York while she moved... Because he yeah. was like, ah, fuck it, your career will die. Ha 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 Ah, shit. Her career didn't die. Although I guess now it did, because I don't know I don't know if she has a job after the, her boss gets shot in the fucking head by Hans Gruber. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I don't know, man. Moving back to New York, I guess. What if McLean staged the whole thing just to get his wife to move back to New York? <laughs> what a genius move. <laughs> the ultimate plan. He was really the Patriots all along. God. <laughs> Same energy, honestly. Fuck. Anywho. So. Terrorism about to happen, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So she did. So she walks, she goes out like, I've got to give a speech, you fuck. McLean's like, ah, fuck, I fucked up. I like that he instantly calls himself an idiot because he knows he fucked up. Right. It's very human. I liked it. Yes. I like the little moments where he talks to himself in this movie. Yeah. Those probably wouldn't be present. If anyone else was playing the character, probably. Probably, yeah. Um, Bruce Willis is able to talk to himself really well. Because <laughs> it's believable that he would be someone like, you're just a fucking idiot, John. Right. I can't believe you'd fucking do that, John. <laughs> <laughs> then he does the thingy where the guy's like, you know, you take off your shoes and like, claw your feet. And he's like, okay, I'm going to do that. Calm down. Because I'm, I'm, God, I'm mad at myself. <laughs> so he does and as he's doing that. Here come the terrorists. Here they come. Two in through the front. They're talking about magic making a good-ass dunk. That was sick. <laughs> I love that scene. It's so nonchalant. They yeah, just, they just shoot approach the, the desk going like, wow, that was... <laughs> it's wild. And then the rest of them funnel in through the back using a van. Yes. Well, using a truck, sorry. Which, uh... Our dude in the limo don't notice. Because he's too busy rocking out like Stevie Wonder. He literally is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the song. I believe the song was Skeletons. Good yes. song, though. Mm-hmm. Great song. Yeah. This movie got good music in it. Good music choices, at least. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, obviously, Christmas music throughout it as well. Yeah, but it's Christmas it works. The juxtaposition is on point. Absolutely. Terrorism is happening. Yes, yeah, so terrorism right? happens. Terrorism? Yeah. Terrorism. Correct? Correct, terrorism. Are you sure? Yes. Maybe. Terrorists go up to the room where party's happening. They start shooting at the ceiling, and then that's when McLean's like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah. Peers outside, sees that all the terrorists are in the building. And they're starting to set up shop. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh fuck!" Time He's... for a good old hostage crisis. Right. So without putting his shoes back on, dumbass. <laughs> uh, he was about to get shot, though, probably. Like, because they were searching the little desks and rooms. Right. And shit. He ran out to the, got into the stairwell. Terrorists locked down the entire building and all of the elevators. 
and all that. So there is no way around but for him, but through the stairwell. So now we get the start of our action that lasts the rest of this movie. Now, as you guys know, this is only about 25 minutes in. Most of this movie is a lot of, like, walkie-talkie radio conversations and John McClane moving throughout throughout this building trying not to get killed. Works really good. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume it would be difficult to have conversations feel, like, genuine when you're only filming one half of the conversation. Yeah. It does feel like that in a lot of things that I notice, so... But I think they do it really well here, for sure. I wonder if they actually had the actors on uh, set when they were filming the other half of the conversation. So maybe it was like, you know, good playback back and forth. That's what it sounded like. It yeah. sounded like they were just having a conversation. Like they would be having a radio conversation. Yeah. Because that's a lot of the dialogue in this movie. Between Hans and John and John and uh, Powell. Yeah. Um, Which are all, yeah. all their conversations are fantastic. Yeah. But what you get? All right, so we rest a little bit. John goes up to a, to a floor, notice, tries to use the phone. Phone lines get cut. He's trapped. And he knows what's going on, and he has no help. Oop. So now he spends this little section trying to get help, but uh, not before he runs into one of the terrorists. Hmm. And he ends up killing this dude by uh, basically throwing him down a flight of stairs and breaking his neck. It happens. Which uh, was just fun. What you gonna do, man? He takes all this dude's shit, gets his machine gun. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Yep. Rates on the body, sends it down yep. the elevator. They start freaking out. They're like, there's somebody in this building fucking our guys yeah. up. One Carl guards, gets real mad. It doesn't seem like a guard. Yeah. One of the security guards. Yeah. Carl gets real mad. Of course. That was his brother. Yeah. Revenge boy. Now he wants to go hunting. Yeah. The hunting for some McLean. I like dude. how he's unhinged and doesn't necessarily listen to everything Hans says because he's a fucking loose cannon man which right. they establish early on because there's the scene where they're setting up stuff and uh his brother is uh at the base setting up like wires and shit and then his brother is just a fucking asshole and he's chainsawing through the pipes yeah really recklessly and the the fucking his brother is like oh fuck shit dude come on and he's like trying to finish what he's doing because i i guess maybe the implication is he'll get exploded or shocked or something yeah something like that yeah so they established that really early on and then it pays off by him being like the most psycho of these uh terrorism mans yep <laughs> terrorism man i could have just said terrorists made a conscious decision to say to terrorism, say terrorism mans. mans thank you i deserve to be gunned down in the street like a degenerate <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ anyway uh, we had elevator time, trying to hide from the people. Yeah, so they go, go looking for him. They go looking for him. They they spot him. They get into a little bit of a gunfight. Oh, he sees them uh, killing Takagi. That's right. He's yeah. That's what right in the first. fucking head, right. man. Great conversations between uh, Hans and Takagi. I like how he's like, you know, first praising all his fucking suits and all his models and shit and all this stuff, but then he just instantly just caps his ass when he won't give him the code. It's cool shit. Yeah, yeah. Takagi's like, you'll have to kill me. He's like, okay, just shoots him in the head. Yep, just instantly. Great villain, fuck. dude. Yeah, he can make the speeches. He can posture, but then he can be, you know, a violent fuck when it comes down to it. Absolutely. So now you have a yeah, we have a scene where he's running away from all of them and he's uh, trying to find out some kind of way to get the police noticed. Uh, he kills one of them and gets a uh, gets walkie-talkie from. Him. 
Yeah. And this one, like, oh shit, he's a cop. It's like, he knows the emergency channels. So he hits on the emergency channel for the walkie-talkie and starts yelling about what's going on. But the terrorists are also tapped into that line. So they hear it, and they're like, fuck. Yeah, and also, unfortunately for him, the emergency line people on the other end are... Uh, Fucks. Yeah. Dumbasses. I'm sure, uh, like, dispatch 9-11 operators... 911 operators. 911 operators, not 911 operators. Not the people who operated Yikes. 9-11. George Bush. Ah. Uh, <laughs> 911 operators probably hate this movie because it makes them look like a bunch of fucking assholes. Right, they don't know what yeah. they're doing. Uh, but honestly, that's kind of like across the board. Like, the cops look like assholes that don't know what they're doing. The FBI looks like assholes who don't know what they're doing. Um, everyone looks like an asshole who doesn't know what they're doing except for your two... Like, your hero and your villain, basically. I guess that's it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's really cool in that aspect. Because even a lot of the bad guys are just, like, fucking... Meatheads. Meatheads. That, yeah. You know. But Hans Gruber and John McClane kind of get that, got their shit together, and that makes them good uh, enemies. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah. Both very clever. Yeah. So, Dispatch is eventually like, oh, fuck, we'll just send somebody out there. And they send uh, Al. Yep. <laughs> The cop was in the middle of buying donuts. Twinkies. Twinkies. It's, yeah. it's a buttload of Twinkies. He's like, hey, they're from my pregnant wife. And the dude's like, fucking sure, buddy. Dude who's like as big as him, by the way. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe one of them. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, you got all them Twinkies, eh? <laughs> well, no, because they fucking get yeah, smashed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so he pulls up, does a little bit of laps. He's like, hmm, I'm going to go check inside. Goes and checks inside. Everything seems fine. Um... As he's going back out to his car, he gets attacked by Carl and another guy, right? Yes. Yeah. No. Bruce throws a dead body out of the fucking window, and it lands on his car. That's right. That's and what he's happens. like, ah, shit, and then they start shooting at him. Yeah. Um, then they're compromised. Yeah. They're trying to kill the cop. Yeah. They, they don't. He eventually backs up, rams his car, calls her back up, and now the cavalry has arrived. But the cavalry sucks. Sucks dick. Uh, they don't know what the fuck they're doing, and their head of police is a fucking asshole. And uh, even though they have an inside line to a man on the inside who is a cop, they don't... Uh, he doesn't believe him. They don't buy it. They think he's just some kind of nut. Having tons of genuine conversations with uh, your boy Al. But, yeah. Uh, While them just, like, talking about just shooting the shit, which is fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I like the conversations. There's even some, like, character development in those conversations where, like, you know, Al, like, reveals later on that he, like, you know, shot a kid when he was a young cop. And now he, like, you know, doesn't want to be, like, the action hero cop anymore. He wants to just, you know, kind of lay low and uh, ne- will not draw his gun, which, you know, is a clear setup for what happens for the, at the end of the movie. It all makes sense. It all works really well. Mm-hmm. At some point, we're in an elevator, Justin. Yep. And he's trying to climb. Yeah, Carl runs into him, down. tries to hunt him down, and then he runs. That's it. Yeah. And then he runs from them, uh, makes it to the elevator shaft, and he starts climbing down the elevator shaft. Yeah. So I wanted to bring that up because uh, there's a stunt here that went wrong. <laughs> oh no. Uh. Yeah. Scene where McLean falls down the ventilation shaft and then grabs a lower ledge. That's a that's just a stuntman doing that by accident, 
Because that stuntman, like, lost his grip and fell and then grabbed the ledge at the bottom and then didn't die miraculously. Because if he didn't grab that ledge, he probably would have fell further. Uh, stuntman, fine. Editor of the film decides to keep this moment in the film because it's a good moment. Yay, make a movie! <laughs> God. There's a couple other things like that later that, uh... Are questionable at best. Like movies in the early eighties, in the late eighties. Uh, well, you 90s know, hey. too fucked up. Uh, it's probably still fucked up today. Yeah, probably less so. But they they mainly CG a lot of that shit now. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Like back then, you had to like do that. Which which is impressive, but it's dangerous. You know, very dangerous. Yeah. Didn't use wires or nothing. They were just well, no, because like, the dude fell. Right. He was supposed to just be hanging there. I guess he didn't have wires because he fell. I don't know. <laughs> Gee, give him a wire. Give him fish tape. It's clear. Give him some. Show up in the camera. I don't know the specifics other than that. Fuck. Man. Fucking wild, dude. But anyway, Bruce Willis is okay. Yeah, he's fine. He's, he's, not, he's not falling down elevator shafts, actually. <laughs> At least for now. Anyway. <laughs> oh, God. Sweet Jesus. No, he's fine. He didn't get fucked up. There's so, a funny thing later, though. Yeah, so he gets out of the elevator shaft, and I'm trying to remember what happens next to this movie. It's kind of an amalgamation of action scenes and talking now. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so do you think he, like, he kills one more guy, I think? Something yeah, like and then I believe we get to a part him. where the police try to make their stand and break in and That's kill right. People. No, 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 this is... Okay, I got it now. Yeah, so the police try to make their stand. McLean's telling them to... Uh, don't do that, dumbasses. And they're like, yeah, fuck you. They're prepared for the cops to do what they're doing. They're uh, in all positions of this building. They're prepared to make their stand. Right. So John have, doesn't want them to just bust in and get killed. They have a squad set up to try to go and bust in. They get shot at immediately. They're, they don't have a chance. Killed yep. by uh, this man who really wants a Nestle Crunch Bar. He almost got it. <laughs> well, he's eating that Nestle Crunch Bar and he's killing cops. You know. Yeah, sounds cool, like a cool dude. What a life to live! <laughs> the interesting life that man leads. It's the only things he cares about: eating quest bars, killing, well, killing. Cops. I mean, hey, he was about to die, so yeah. And later in the movie, so I'm glad he got true. to eat that Nestle Crunch bar. I'm glad yeah, he did. It's last one. Yep. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> Too bad, bastard. Mm-hmm. So, and then they pull up with the uh, with the the armored truck. Yeah. They're like, all right, we're just going to fucking mash through this fucking building. Fuck this shit. Yeah, what can you do against an armored truck? You can shoot with a rocket launcher. They have RPGs. Yeah. So they get up and they set up a stationary RPG to go blow the thing up. McLean notices and he's like, fuck, I got to get after them. McLean stole a bunch of C4. Yeah, he gets that from that room. When he, yeah, when he infiltrates that room, it disposes of them. Yep. Well, Carl's in there. He doesn't dispose of Carl. But yes. He gets he gets the he gets the C four of the guy he kills in that room. Drops it down the fucking elevator yep. shaft and just creates. He's like fuck this shit. Ties it all to like a chair, I think. Yeah. Shoves it down the elevator, blows up. Makes a crazy explosion. Yep. Fucks everything up in the lower half of the building, including I think kills. Does it kill the two guys down in the lobby? Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, maybe not the one, but. Because I think we see him later. That's right. For some yeah. reason. Yeah, he, I think he, but it kills the people with the rocket launchers, at least, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Big ass explosion. Impressively big explosion. Yeah. He's like all of their C4. Yeah. 
just like well, not all of it. They have a lot of it because, uh, as we find out later, they were planning to blow up the whole ass building. Yeah, well, they had, they had bombs planted on the top floor. Yes, they they were ready for that shit. It's fucking scary. Interesting after, plan. Yeah. After that, you got you got you got good old Alan Rickman calling him up, being like, "What the fuck are you doing, dude?" <laughs> He's like, "Oh, you know." Blowing up this building. Yeah, fuck you, lol. <laughs> then the FBI shows up. And they're like, it's our shit now. And they're like, fuck. But the FBI, uh, their plan involves helicopters later. And this is exactly what the terrorists want. Yeah. They want these helicopters to come pick up the hostages so they can blow it up and then escape. Yeah, they come with a phony, a phony request. To free like a bunch of just like random like jailed terrorists from around the world, and then uh, get it's complete bullshit. Yeah, yeah let them in the hostages get to an airport and escape wherever. It's all bullshit. Their entire plan was to load the hostages at the top of the building. The helicopters come down to pick it up, blow it up, and make it look like they died, and then they just leave. Yeah, and that's it. So they get they get away with the, with what they're looking for, and then just get the hell out of there, which is just like a bunch of bonds, I guess. Uh, it's millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's strange that they're actually literally just thieves. Yeah. They're kind of just using terrorism as a distraction. It's kind of an interesting plan. I like it. it. I like that there's layers to the bad guy's plot, and it's not just one thing. Right, it's very It reveals throughout the movie. (laughs) Absolutely. It's fun. Yeah. I enjoy it a lot. So, yeah, the FBI shows up, and they're a bunch of fucking meathead dumbasses. Mm-hmm. They're worse than the cops, which is fun. I really think they're worse than the cops, because later when they're in the uh, helicopter going up to do the shooty-shoot, they're like, man, it's just like Saigon, buddy! <laughs> yikes, dude. It's a big yikes. And then they say something along the lines of, like, I predict that we'll save, like, 20% of the hostages. Or like 20% casualties or something like that. Yeah, there's like a that. 20% casualty. So well, it's good enough for me. Uh, yeah, that's a good rate. Like, that's that's a lot of people dying. You're shitheads. For your plan. McLean's plan got everybody out safely. It did. Yeah. Every single person. Unless you're reading the book. Uh, they die? I don't know. I think a couple of them do, yeah. Well, I guess a couple of them die in this as yeah. well. You have a cokehead guy dies. Oh, yeah, you want to talk about that scene? Yeah. That's an excellent scene. So he's like, fuck this, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. By his own hands means uh, secures himself. Yes. Tries to secure himself. Yeah, he's like, hey, man, you know, I'm a a businessman, okay? Like, we we can make a deal here. Let's talk to John. (laughs) That's not enough enough sniffling. Cocaine. Not enough sniffling. Yeah. He talks to, like, yeah, once want to talk to John, he kind of makes up this, like, this fake thing about him being his friend. And McLean sees right through it. Mm-hmm. He's like, don't do this. You are going to die. They're going to kill him no matter what. Yep. Yeah. Now I'm Rick's like, fair enough. Shoots him. Yep. Dead. It's like, well, just give me a dumbass cokehead, I guess. Yeah. What dumb an idiot. Ass. You're dumb. Probably shouldn't have been dumb. No reason with terrorists. <laughs> Obama. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Was that just Rush Limbaugh for a second? I I don't know. (laughs) 
I think I'm. I think it was. I think I remember him saying something like that before. Probably. Was, oh fuck him. Is he still alive? Oh, I'm sure. That's unfortunate. I haven't checked. I, I don't care. Yeah, I haven't looked up Rush Limbaugh in a minute. Yeah. I'm sure he's doing his old radio show. Probably has Colin Moriarty on it every Oh, God. Oof. Oh. Oh, it hurts because it's probably fucking correct. Nice. Not nice. Mm-mm, not nice at all. So, so uh, that guy dies. Eventually, we're on the roof here. Yeah, so they get loaded off to the roof. Bruce Willis sees it. He's a fuck. Then, uh... He was able to break up to the roof and get them all to go down, but they won't listen to him, so he starts shooting. Yes. Oh, also, uh, Al Rickman finds out. That well, because uh, I believe it's broadcast on TV. TV. Who yeah, there's a reporter. John McClane is. Who busts and they figure their house. that out. No, they don't know about Gennaro yet. Yeah. About that fact, but they figure that out through some kind of means. Because of the report. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because they uh, cause they show a family photo. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And he looks at the family photo over on her desk. Yeah, he's like, sh- and he's like, shit, grabs her. Take her as... Yeah. Hostage inside of a hostage situation. Yeah. Individual draw hostage. Draw McLean out. Yep. That's the whole point. And but McLean can- uh, goes to the roofy roof yeah. to try and drive everybody down because the helicopters are coming. And he knows that they're going to blow it up because he discovers that plot. Right. So he's like, you guys got to get the fuck off the roof. And he succeeds in getting them all off of there, but the fucking helicopter doesn't know it's John McClane, and they start shooting at his dumb ass. He is shooting his gun in the air, though, to be fair. Right. Uh, <laughs> they don't know. Uh, he does the, uh, you know, he knows that this shit's about to fucking explode. And this is when we get the iconic fire hose scene where he jumps the fuck off the roof and rappels down a bit, goes through a window on another floor. The movie's wild. Yeah. Love this movie. Yeah, it is. It's, it's pretty wild. Speaking of fire hose scene, uh, the fire hose jump, which is in reality a jump off of a five-story parking garage onto an airbag, uh, but there was a big explosion, uh, was the first scene filmed for Die Hard. Uh, Willis asked why they shot this dangerous stunt first. Uh, dangerous because the force of the explosion causes Bruce Willis to nearly miss the fucking airbag. He lands in the corner of the airbag. Oh. Uh, and he was told at at the end of production, like he was told it was to avoid risking filming the entire movie with another actor. <laughs> It's like if you die, I, or, or or get injured a lot, <laughs> she almost did. They knew this was the one that would result in injury if it went badly. Almost did go badly. Thank God it didn't. But what? <laughs> Come on, man. Oh well. Jesus. Good scene though. The great scene. Fun scene. <laughs> he's sliding down. He's like, oh fuck, oh fuck. Yes, yeah. to get the shit off of there. Um, do we, do we, we didn't miss, do we miss the scene where he meets Al and actually sees Mr. Rickman? Uh, yeah, I believe that does happen before that. Yeah. We did briefly talk about it. Though. Yeah. What's important about that scene, though, is when it devolves into combat. Uh, yes. This is where his, this is where him not having shoes really comes into effect. 
Because yeah, because he notices it and he's like, shoot all the wind, shoot all the glass out, so he can't run. And McLean's like, yeah, that happens. McLean's like, fuck you, I'm running anyway, and just runs through the glass. Ow. Yeah, his feet get fucked up. Yep, he has to go to the bathroom, sit there, pickle the glass out, and try to wrap it up as best he can. But he's not moving around very well now until mm-hmm. until he gets attacked by Carl and the adrenaline hits. And this is where he kills Carl right before he gets everybody off the roof. Uh, like, pretty fun fight scene where they're Correction, knocking over barrels and thinks shit. thinks he kills Carl. Right. Which doesn't really make any sense, but I don't give a fuck. No, it does not. <laughs> it's a fun fight scene. They're, like, running each other into barrels and shit, trying to fight over a gun. Yes. Eventually, McLean just hangs him off a chain. This sick. Yes. How is he still alive at the end of the I, I do not have any <laughs> clue. Uh... Oh, we forgot about when he's in the vents. That's a good scene. I know what a TV dinner feels like. Yeah. So much shit in this movie, but it does all blend together because it flows expertly well without having necessarily like a clear, like this happens, this happens, this happens. Yeah, flow. just kind of stuff that happens. Yeah. It's like a collection of like just bad shit that happens. To <laughs> yeah, basically until we get to the end. Uh, but that's good. It works. Mm-hmm. Works very um, well. I believe we're basically just at the final confrontation of the movie then. Yeah, after he gets all the hostages down, uh, Alan Rickman blows that bitch. Yeah. Which uh, is crazy. Takes out one of the helicopters. And they're like, oh, fuck. Yep. And they, they, they succeed with their plan. They crack into a vault they're trying to crack into this entire time. They get all the bonds that they were looking for. Uh-huh. As they're packing up, in comes John McClane. With just two bullets. Their plan is to make it look like they are dead. Right. Use the explosion to yeah. make it look like they're dead. So and that they way they out. get away with all the money because no one's looking for them because they think they are dead. Right. Meanwhile, they have a van down in the parking garage. Yeah, they escape down too. Yeah. Which uh, Hacker Man goes to get. Yeah. Which is where we get <laughs> the moment where Clarence sees him and realizes and... Uh, Hits him with his limo at high speed. And then knocks that fucker out. Yep. Gets real hype about it. It's pretty It's pretty based. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my Clarence spinoff film? Oh, no, you don't want that. <laughs> you don't want that, my buddy. My diehard expanded universe. I don't, think, I don't think you want this, buddy. Probably not, I don't think, I don't think you do, buddy. <clears throat> Fuck that. You, you don't even want a sequel to this movie. Well, we're going to watch four of them. Wah, wah. So you get a final confrontation between him uh, and Mr. Rickman. I forget where get his character's name. Hans Gruber. Gruber. That's it. Mr. Gruber. It's, Mr. it's a memorable name because it's weird. It is a very strange name. Gruber. I'm not good at remembering names in general. <laughs> <laughs> so no, they, they get the final confrontation. Um, he, uh, I forget, I forget, I forget, I forget what he fucking does. They're in a little standoff. He got a little bit. the gun taped to his back so that he thinks he's going to be unarmed. That's right. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. So he sets the one gun down because the other one he still has two bullets in his handgun. Mm-hmm. So they uh, so he has to put his gun down and then does a little sneaky sneak shooty shoot. Yeah. And they, they get into a bit of confrontation. Uh, then he uh, then throws him out the window. Throws Gruber out the window. He dead. Yeah. Well, he's holding on. 
yeah. to his wife's fucking watch, which was established earlier in the film. Yeah, her having it, which is a unique thing that that even that has a payoff in this movie because he just unclips the watch and then there goes there goes Hans falling to his death. (laughs) A lot of stories. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting to note about this scene: uh, Hans Gruber's death fall was done on a green screen set, and Alan Rickman uh, wasn't told when they were dropping him. He was not ready. They just dropped him. So they can get the... So, yeah, and so that's genuine shock on Alan Rickman's face as he falls. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And uh, apparently he was very pissed about this. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> it's probably like, you motherfuckers, you think I can't, like, fake being shocked? You have to fucking drop me? Piece of shit. <laughs> But anyway, the day is saved thanks to John McClane, and he's getting out, and all the hostages are getting out, and everything's cool, everything's good. Uh-oh. Carl. Carl is still what? alive! Why? But that's okay. Uh, resolve plot. Resolve plot. Al Powell hasn't shot his gun in uh, 90 years or whatever it's been. <laughs> uh, but he uses it now, and he shoots Carl to fucking death. A lot. A couple times. And, uh... He, he died hard. He twice. died hard. Is that why this movie's called Die Hard? Because in all my research, I didn't know why it was called Die Hard. Because... No, dude. Just because people die hard in it? Yeah, I guess so. I, I assume... I mean, I know that the, the term Die Hard is supposed to mean... People that, like... I don't know, die for their country or something like that like but that doesn't necessarily apply here no i don't think so um maybe for what you're willing to protect or yeah maybe but i don't know a lot of john mcclain's thing is honestly survival in this film uh because they will kill him if they come across him so now the day is saved and they just get in a fucking limo and they go that's got the front end all fucked up yeah of course (laughs) <laughs> they're just like, oh, fuck it, they go. And uh, I, I hope they're going to a hospital, otherwise John McClane's going to bleed out in that limo, yeah, and it's going to be a his, sad his Christmas. <laughs> his, he got shot in the back, too. He did. It can't be good. His feet in particular are probably so fucked. Yeah. Millions of shards of glass embedded of, in them. Yeah, he's running out of pure... He's running on pure adrenaline. Yeah, of course. He's fighting for his life. And, uh... That was Die Hard, one of the best action films films ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably going to be high on our list. In general, yeah. In general. This probably is... will remain at the top for the Die Hard list. I yeah. don't know of any moment in the sequels at all, basically. Never heard about anything from the other Die Hard movies. They're nowhere near I'm good. not saying they're bad. I don't know yet. They're nowhere near as good. Yeah. Not even close. Well, this one's iconic. It's so iconic that it, like, you know, its influence is felt. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the end of this film features a music cue from Man on Fire, where John meets Powell, and from Aliens, where Carl appears suddenly with his rifle. That was music from Aliens' score. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Now, this was put in the movie as a placeholder for the initial cut. But McTiernan decided he liked it better than the actual score produced for the scene, 
and just kept those placeholder scores in there in the final cut of the movie. What? Take that actual score, man. <laughs> Damn. Hope that made you feel real good. Anyway, let's get down to the, the, the facts about, you know, the die and the hard. Uh-huh. The film grossed 141.5 million against a 28 million budget. I think it's safe to say that Fox's decision to pay Bruce Willis five million dollars paid off. It's fine. They made a lot of money with Die Hard, and they would continue to make a lot of money with Die Hard in the years to come. Ninety-three uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes because it's good. Now, Rotten Tomatoes, you know takes into account modern reviews. You know, internet didn't exist. Or right. at least not Rotten Tomatoes. Right. So, it's it's interesting to note that Die Hard wasn't necessarily receiving glowing reviews, considering it like the best of its genre or anything upon release. It was kind of getting like, that, that was okay. Reviews. And I think Roger Ebert gave it a 2 out of 4. Fucking asshole. Weird. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I didn't write down this quote or anything, but I know that Ebert complained about the asshole chief of police character. It was like, man, he brings down the, the part of this movie. And I'm like, that guy's supposed to be asshole. Right. What are you talking about? Anyway, uh, never the fucking less, its legacy as an action classic would prove to be unparalleled. Action in the 90s would take significant influence from Die Hard copying the premise literally yeah. <laughs> lone hero against overwhelming odds let's just put it in a different location and make it again uh, like this would even come to be known as a like a common premise to the point of being the description of a film itself like you know uh, under siege is die hard on a boat con air is die hard on a plane Easy cut and paste maker action film kind of logic there. Action would drift towards other trends with the release of like The Matrix in 1999 and a few other movies. But Die Hard still has a lasting impact on action films and, and films as a whole, I Absolutely, would say. Yeah. Uh, not just in action, but in, I, I think a lot of people should take note of what it does in terms of pacing and writing. Yeah. Uh, and also, the writing of a villain character in general. Uh, God damn it, how many Marvel movies have I seen where the villain was boring? You've seen them. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh, most of them. Bruh, Hans Gruber's so memorable. And I doubt any of the other villains in this franchise will even come close. Mm-hmm. It's an important thing to nail. And they really nailed it. Die Hard Great. We're starting out really good on this one, the, but that's pretty common for the Gen and Jub show. <laughs> the uh, the Raid Redemption is a sorry. Well, Die Hard is a huge influence on my favorite action movie, The Raid Redemption. It's yeah, it's Die Hard in a building, which is also known as Die Hard, I yeah, guess, but like cooler. <laughs> Die Hard, but kung fu. Yeah, <laughs> and like way more like fucking messed up. Actually, sure. There's yeah. a lot less charm to the raid, a lot more grit. It's a fun movie, though. It's great. Overall. Fantastic yeah. movie. You haven't seen the raid redemption? You should. I am considering putting that on the wheel eventually because it'd only be, be two. Only two. I'd be fun with that a little snippy snip. It's unfortunately like... only two movies, and I say unfortunately because the second one ends on a 
fucking cliffhanger they're never gonna resolve it ever nope why I don't know guys make a different shit now I guess <sighs> I know but like don't Let's just make raid one. 3 and finish the so. story I at least want the story to be finished if yeah. it takes them 10 years it takes them 10 years I don't care I just want the story to be finished Mad Dog can't come back again. Mad Dog can totally come back again. <laughs> no, and I won't even give a he shit. He came back for John Wick 3. Yeah, which means he can totally be in other things again. He even did the, he even did the thing where he does... He did the thing, yeah. yeah. the fuck? <laughs> Goddamn, dude. Uh, that's right. also a franchise that I hope never fucking ends. John Wick? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Please. It also takes heavy influence from Die Hard. Yeah, well, it's because literally every action movie released after Die Hard has to. Right. Because it's a landmark in yeah. cinema. Yeah, <laughs> basically. And the best Christmas movie ever made. Gremlins, though. No, it's better than Gremlins. Is it? Yeah, I think Die Hard's better than Gremlins. <sighs> Man, that's a good conversation, though. We're going to disagree. Marginally? Marginally, when we rank all of our movies, we're going to disagree. Yeah, I, I think we're so. gonna have to have some kind of mediator to do ties. I okay. think because I want to do a not just my ranking and your ranking, but the Gen and Jub show ranking. Yeah, whenever we do that, it's several episodes from now. We still got a lot of series to go through. I'm sure yeah, quite a bit. But yeah, yeah. Next week, Die Hard 2, oh. which I thought was called Die Harder. No. Nope. But it's just Die Hard 2. Why did I think it was called Die no, Harder? No, it's called Die Harder. Is it? Yep. Is it Die Hard 2, Die Harder? Yep. Is it, though? Yep. That's kind of funny, if so. Yeah. It's goofy as fuck. So, do we know anything about that? Have you seen any of the other Die Hard movies? Because I totally have I've not. seen Die Hard 2 and Die Hard 3. Now, did They're you, not good. You just definitely... Like, are they bad? Die Hard 2 is not bad. Die Hard 3 is bad. Yeah, it's Die Hard 2, Die Die Harder. Right. Die unless, Hard 3 is bad. Unless Die Hard... I think maybe Die Harder might just be the, uh... Like, tagline of the poster. Oh, okay. Like, like as you can see here. I'll, I'll just show it to you. Like, it's just Die Hard 2. But the oh, tagline okay. is Die Harder. I just always, it, it's literally on everything that's associated with Die Hard 2. So I just thought it was part of the title. Right. Okay. We're leaving. Bye! See you next time. Because...